0: Nicholas Bornos of Capital Inc., I would like to welcome you uh, to uh, the current session. We have had a very interesting and very busy and fruitful um, day today with lots of very interesting discussions. But this one, I think, is particularly uh, different and interesting. We have the great pleasure to have with us uh, four people who are literally industry veterans in terms of experience and uh, insight. Uh, So I'm delighted that they have joined us uh, on this panel to have a roundtable discussion about the past, the present, and the future. Uh, All of them have had a very long, distinguished, uh, and successful career in shipping, and they know this business inside out. So not only the uh, Norwegian side, but also the global side. So I would like to welcome uh, Kristin Harold. Uh, Herman and Peter and um, without any more delay, I will turn it over to Harold to uh, moderate the panel. And again, thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you very much uh, for that uh, introduction, Nicholas. So let me see her. I will try to share the screen. Uh, Can you see my presentation now? Uh, Oh, there, I guess it is. You can see it, guys. Kristin, yes, yes, very we do. good. Okay, so let's uh, let's get going. Uh, so the topic of today is Norwegian shipping in a changing world: past, present, and future. So, with uh, what Nicholas referred to as industry veterans uh, on the panel, let's start with the past. Uh, so, with a long coastline and rough conditions, Norway has been a dominant force in shipping since the Vikings were running the show. We have tried to identify some of the factors that have contributed to Norwegian's past glory days in shipping. Uh, And I think the first factors is like risk takers, hardworking people, it it starts with the people. Uh, We had some real risk takers and adventurers uh, that were playing hard in the global market and peter you have been involved in shipping in the global and Norwegian market for decades almost since the viking age i guess you have worked with a lot of these uh, norwegian uh, risk takers over the years so how will you characterize these people you have worked with what has been like their factors for success and um, their drive peter
2: no, I, I think that um, obviously uh, it boils down to a lot of passion for the business and and I think historically good commercial instincts um, and I, I worked together with uh, Mr. Fredrickson for many years and I also worked with the Ofer family for many years and both these families are very passionate about shipping but what I found interesting was that the Over family was very disciplined, cost conscious, bought low, uh, paid down their debt, and made sort of a consistent 20 percent return, you know since the early '70s, uh, with relatively low debt, whereas Frederickson, he took high risk, he was in financial distress a couple of times, uh, didn't fix the ships, very often spot restructurings, challenges. But you know he was also very successful. So I found it very interesting that you could have so very very different strategies leading to double digit in billions of dollars in net worth. You know after 30, 40 years of hard work.
1: Oh, that's that's good. And uh, what you're saying, hard work is. And, and you're saying that shipping is a passion. Uh, so 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 I guess you really have to live and read shipping in order to be successful or is that how you see it
2: i think so and i think it's very much uh, at least traditionally when you go back to the 70s and the 80s it was very much a 24 7 business It, it was very much a lifestyle um i think you had very colorful characters um i think more transactions were done in bars and restaurants than today now we are on teams and it's a much more sort of industrial approach to shipping and and uh, the financing and and so forth. So it was much more of a buccaneering uh, period. But even if you had these more flamboyant characters, it didn't mean that they were not serious about their business or that they weren't you know really intelligent um, and and uh, tough in negotiations. Um, so. Uh, and I think you find a lot of that today as well. So I think the style has changed, but I think the engine driving uh, the profitability and the need for the people who achieve success is still very much the same. So um, the form might be different, but the content is 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 quite similar.
1: Well, that's a good uh, that's a good point, uh, uh, Herman. Uh, Why do you think all these Norwegians got attracted into shipping in the first place? Was it the war stories? And what Peter here is talking about, uh, signing deals in bars and restaurants, all the traveling, lunches and parties uh, that attracted, or what attracted you? And and, and what do you think have been like the uh, attraction what has brought all these people into shipping over the years and, and Norwegians in particular?
3: Nothing wrong with long lunches, Harald. But um, I think in a way, we have to take a step back. We have to remember where Norway was coming from before the oil really hit us in the 60s. I think apart from shipping, it it has been a fairly domestic and introvert economy. Uh, While shipping had this certain flavor, being tre- truly international. And you could do business with other cultures, traveling abroad. And on top of that, I think Norway was well respected. I mean, if you were in shipping, uh, you had kind of a, some respect abroad if you were Norwegian. Um, I, I remember I, when I w- in my early career, I was working for in the Turval Klavnes group. And uh, the late Hu Lanes, he said that you know birds while flying out, they will come home with food in the, to the nest. And it was kind of we traveled a lot all over the places to countries I hardly heard about before I started in shipping to try to dig out business, being creative, and, and being in Norwegian, I think for when I told that to people, friends working in real estate or whatever they were doing, that it was more exotic, uh, I would say. And uh, so if you were a bit adventurous, shipping was really it. Um, why I joined, that's a kind of a, my grandfather and my father, they, they were in the shoe production business. Can you imagine being competitive Uh, just an illustration of Norway was from this kind of the 50s, 60s and early 70s and again before the oil in a very uh, labor intensive industry Norway was extremely competitive Uh, and that was obviously not very sustainable through the 70s so I had to kind of dig out new grounds so then I I felt I always had this romantic kind of uh, perception of shipping and everything related to Maritime industry. So, so it was. And when I kind of started in the late eighties, I was really hooked. End of story.
1: Oh, that's good. That's a good, uh, good, good, good perspective, uh, Herman. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Turn it down on the list in terms of uh, success success factors uh, for the Norwegian shipping industry. We have access to capital. Uh, we had banks and the capital markets. Uh, in Norway, uh, have had like an extremely strong position uh, on a global scale. Uh, Christine, uh, you have been heavily involved uh, in this and has had a, a strong position in this market. Uh, why has Norway had such a dominant position in providing capital to the shipping industry? Has the business been so profitable for profitable for the banks, or or what is the reason?
4: It was until we started uh, calculating risk. <laughs> but, so you uh, yes, you, you,
1: you, you didn't take risk into the equation in all old So that's no, 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 no. It
4: was just nominal numbers. <laughs> that was the fascination, you know. When when some of us started uh, in the eighties, um, the, it, the, it was only international banks in Norway. It was a Mani it was Chase, it was Hamburgers, Citibank, German, other Germans. And, and the Norwegian shipowners didn't want to deal with the small uh, Norwegian banks. But then, they, 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 in the late '80s or mid '80s, late '80s, shipping market went south as it does regularly, uh, and international banks didn't really treat the, the shipowners that well. So I think they felt that was not in a way fair, and then they want they saw so the need to start also working with the Norwegian banks. So I think that, in combination with Norwegian banks becoming larger, Saw this as an interesting business, um, and and as Herman said, shipping was of the maritime sector and that was very much shipping at that time was the only global international export industry. So for for the banks, this was really an interesting um, interesting business, and these were the most sophisticated clients of the bank. They were those driving the product development. Like, I, I remember the first time we talked about the swap, an interest swap. I mean, we really had to use a calculator to understand what that was. So it was a sophisticated part of the business um, for the banks. Uh, and with that strong foothold the Norwegian ship owners had, it was natural for the for, for the banks to follow them then out in the world. So I think that is, that is where it started. And then um, some international bank drew a bit back a bit after the downturn in the 80s and the Norwegian banks and the Scandinavian banks could have more of a market to go into. In that uh, same time, you had some of the financial houses coming in, like Pareto, you had Sondalkojer, you had some of these starting financing and starting project houses. So the chaos market also started at the same time. So you had uh, the bonds, the chaos market, and the banks. So you started to have more of a financial cluster in a way in the in the 90s uh, um, in Norway. So that strengthened our our uh, position, and and it was it was a profitable time. Uh, yes, we had losses. Obviously, it's cyclical, but but you know also the difference between Norwegian banks. Scandinavian banks and international is that we have long lenses. International banks get either more panic or they want to get out faster. Whilst we have a longer line to understand that these industries are so core for Norwegian, Norwegian economy. So we also have to think that way. So, so, so there are many several sort of many of these aspects, which, um, uh, which, which come together. Um, yeah. Now, it's an interesting perspective what you're saying that
1: uh, in a way the shipping shipping clients were the most uh, sophisticated clients to the banks so in a way they were like uh, maybe instrumental in terms of like shaping the banks and, and and making the banks more sophisticated also versus other industries so they were instrumental in developing maybe the Norwegian uh, corporate banking industry I don't know
4: absolutely and I remember many of these meetings we had in markets because they basically had Norwegian business or scandinavian business so suddenly we with the finance shuttle bankers being built in china and we had to do interest swaps and we had to do forex swaps and we had to do export financing that was completely new so it was a it, we were developing the bank f- with those those uh, clients i think that also was such a fascination for those of us who started in the industry we were like thrown into the big world and, and learning in, in a big uh, high, high speed. Oh, that's interesting. And then if I can just uh, just add another aspect there because we, you said profitable. Yes, it was profitable because we we, we, um, we calculated differently today. So if you go into the financial crisis or before the financial crisis and after, that's when the banks got much more uh, requirements of capital then we had to add capital to the creation of the return. So risk-rated return came much, much bigger to the table. That's when we started to have challenge to have a good uh, return base, but we can talk more about that later, but that's really the changing mood for a lot for the international or, or banking business for, um, for the shipping industry.
1: Thank you for that, uh, Christian. Uh, further down on the list on the on the key factors, we have listed technology leadership, uh, uh, my up- hypothesis is that uh, shipping and offshore was seen as an attractive industry for smart engineers. Uh, we also have this, what we call the maritime cluster in Norway, uh, big industry, a lot of people uh, within everything from like the broking industry, uh, you d you have insurance. I mean, you have a lot of like uh, supporting businesses to, 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 to in a way support the maritime industry in norway uh, peter uh, you have been part of this cluster with plato and later Clarksons. Uh, uh what has been your experience being part of this through booming and difficult markets have people always been like keen uh, 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 to 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 go into shipping and has it been easy for 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 you guys to to recruit talented people into shipping or has it been Ups and downs. How do you see that? Uh, you are uh, you are on mute, uh, Peter.
2: No, I, I there think there's is. been there's obviously been uh, ups and downs. Um, if you go back, you know, to the the sixties, um, shipwroking was really the first uh, industry where you could make money, real money. If you didn't have a family with um, real estate or a factory or a trading company and and today we're sort of the first young aspiring professionals and and I think what happened in Norway was that it evolved and you had uh, obviously a boom in shipping in the late 60s early 70s and uh Norwegian shipping started to recruit you know civil engineers lawyers uh MBA people with business degrees and um so it became in Norway, uh, let's say, a very prestigious industry to work with. And then, yeah, hello. Um, uh, and, and then you had the transition from shipping I, 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 to offshore where people made a lot of money in, uh, in shipping. And then the market crashed and then they were trying to reinvest their profits into offshore. And I think that was kind of unique transition from shipping to offshore because in, in America, it started with onshore drilling rigs and then moved offshore in Norway. It started kind of with shipping, and then they started with uh offshore drilling rigs so, so I, I think it's been it's been an attractive business to be in in Norway, whether you work for a ship owner or a shipbroking company because it was really the only industry where Norway had industrial credentials, which was truly international, where you got to do a lot of traveling um, and and I think it's sort of a it's a unique unique thing in Norway uh, to a large extent. And um, and again, we see also in Norway with, with the shipbrokers, which are on average highly educated, whereas in the rest of the world they tend to, on average, have less less education. So um, I think that has created lots of post dynamics in in, uh, in our industry.
1: Well, that's good uh let's spend some time on uh, let me see here if you can swap slide uh there you can see the next slide now yes uh so now we have spent some time on the past let's on, let's spend some time on the present and, and here on the present we are in a way also including the past like five years up until today and and my personal feeling Is that shipping in Norway the last few years have been in kind of a downward spiral? Uh, Maybe Norwegians have preferred a more like comfortable life in their cabins rather than going full steam in the shipping business, Uh, living and breathing shipping 24 7, traveling around the world. Uh, Maybe not been that much of that lately. Uh, And and some of the banks are scaling down uh, their shipping business. their books are being reduced even some banks are like uh, reorganizing and, and and shipping is like been put further down in organizations um, and, and maybe other industries than shipping have been like attracted the smartest engineers uh, I'm not gone to shipping but but but'm uh, and, and offshore but uh, other industries like the tech industry uh, recently so 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 I think personally that we have been like uh, a bit in a downward spiral. Uh, uh, the last uh, five years, uh, Christian, uh, what's your comment on this uh, in terms of the financing and banking market? Have we been uh, uh, like a bit like on a negative trend, or how do you see it?
4: Depending on you see that, uh, Harald. Um, I think the uh, um, if you just look at the. Lending book of the banks. Yes, that's been reduced. But if you look at how we have built up a financial cluster in Norway uh, and how much stronger the, the, the other sources of capital has come to the table, that, that's that's normal. And that is in most of the industry. You're not just depending on the banks. You're depending on where you use the bond market, you use equity market, you use leases. Uh, you use the sources you can now make private lending. So I think the banks or the, the industry has become more financially sophisticated and hopefully uh, they have become less financial risky. They take commercial and operational risk but they can reduce their financial risk by diversifying their funding sources. And that's what many of them have done over this year. So I think that's a, that's a good thing for the industry. So I wouldn't say it's um, that has just reduced the importance of the industry. And I, I, I think I'm a bit disagreeing with you because I think this, if you look at the broader base, just not just shipping as such, but the maritime sector, and you look at that strong position this industry has in Norway, it's amazing. And we will come back to that for the future, but if you see how we you have, you have built up the service sector, the suppliers, the broad base and the technology systems or structure or the companies and institution we have in um, Trondheim specifically, but also other places. I would say we have um, we have kept a position, but in a much broader base, which have given us a foothold to go into succeed in seafood. A lot of people from energy and shipping have gone in, or, or engineering and, and competency has been used to that industry. And we see it now in the green shift, which we will talk about. So, so Harald, I think it's it's a bit um, more um, wider scope. I have, have some wider scope to it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. Maybe my perception is also a bit like driven but obviously it's been a bit challenging markets. And um, you're talking about the broader maritime sector, and obviously for the offshore piece, uh, oil and gas uh, 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 supply vessels has been uh, pretty rough, to put it like that, uh, the last five years. So that's maybe also like uh, flavoring my perception of it.
4: Yeah, and if you just can have one comment back to that, because by having this broad base, we can more easily come back when, it's, when the times are good again. Because it's not just like one narrow part of the industry. We have a much broader base. So yes, we have downturns, which are really heavy. But when we, when we see the opportunity coming, we, can, we, have, we have the resources.
1: What's uh, your take on this, uh, Mr. Billo? Uh, have we lost our mojo in shipping uh, the last years? If you like where, uh, uh, could start all over again, and, and you were like, uh, finished with your education uh, uh, in 2019, would you have got back into shipping then? Or what do you think? Yeah, you
3: know, I tend to, when I, I always say that in my next life, I'm going to work in shipping and uh, and I, I because I always love the business but obviously if you look at regular commodity shipping it's it's not only oil and gas and supply we have had rough times we haven't really made any money for the last few years in commodity shipping and then obviously recruiting hasn't been on top of the agenda uh, but but as Christine says we we have a platform and and I think the, and people have to no it's not only ship owners who have short memory uh, so so it's also th- the banks <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at right now i mean you reading uh, financial times or others they are all talking about uh, we are in might might come into a commodity super cycle and, and we see t- in in my little, little world in dry bulk you, see, you we see what is happening right now and obviously this can come back, but I'm not entirely sure if Norway is will have a big, big platform of regular commodity shipping. But I think we are. Our advantage is the society itself is it's 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 fairly. It's it's We are good on technology. We are good on digital solutions. So I think, uh, so 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 things can change fast. And, and it, as it looks now, finally at least. Uh, our time has, and, the, and for the container business and and also for the gas business, looks like we might be the comeback kids uh, in the coming years, which could change everything very fast. So I'm 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 kind of positive, but I don't think you will see a lot of regular commodity ship owners in Norway in the future. I think. It, we will be in, in, in different areas, more so than in commodity shipping.
1: Yeah, you you were building a commodity shipping company, Herman, but you sold out uh, to uh, the U.S. and Greece didn't you, huh?
3: Uh, that was uh, not because, I mean, it's, we, you know that the Norwegians, we are extremely cheap. So it's a uh, management in Norway, is not very expensive compared to may, many other countries, but our challenge was that our platform was too small and, and and size matters. Liquidity, if you are listed company, matters a lot. So so uh, t- today, looking uh, in the bright light of hindsight, I think that was a good decision to be part of a of a biggie platform. Uh, and uh, and I, it's international business, and, and 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 we have seen through the pandemic where if you are sitting here, there, and whatever wherever we are, it's it's it it, it works. Uh, so it's. Uh, um, But access to capital, I think will still be uh, something which uh, will be an important point for Norway.
1: Peter, you have anything to add to this? Uh, Have you pushed your kids into shipping or have you advised them against it or or any perspectives, please? Uh, 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 I think you are on mute again, Peter.
2: No, I haven't really given them any specific guidance. um, But for some reason, they have chosen not to enter into shipping. (laughs) So uh, the two oldest are in private equity, and the youngest might go into investment banking. But uh, what I wanted to add a bit is uh, with regards to uh, the high level of education among the people in shipping slash offshore in Norway. And I think that's one of the reasons why our relative strength through the years have been more in industrial shipping, specialized shipping, LNG, LPG, uh, subsea, construction, um, PCTC, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the flexibility of the Norwegian model whereby we are one of the two places in the world where you can really raise capital for shipping and offshore and also for offshore wind. And that's the two places is New York and it's uh, Oslo. And very often you have years where more capital is raised for these industries in Oslo than in New York. And I think we are seeing now a push um, over to uh, offshore wind and offshore wind installation vessels and the green energy and and a lot of capital is invested there. Um, So it's a cluster of industrial shipping of specialized uh, offshore um, and uh, green technology and the access to capital that we have, which is very, very efficient in Norway. I mean, you can raise money, as you know, Heiral, very quickly here. Um, So I I think that the flexibility of the, call it business model and the resources we have here, uh, makes us adapt quickly. But I agree with Herman that our relative strength in the past and going forward is not commodity shipping. It's the more specialized, the technology-intensive um, uh, part of the industry that I think we will be successful in.
1: No, well, that's good. Uh, I guess that is taking us to the uh, final uh, uh, slide, here, and that's on the future. Uh, and the question here is, will the green shift, as we call it, bring our glory back? I mean, I believe something really has changed just over the last year, you see this tremendous, huge focus on the green shift is now coming. Everyone is eager to like take part and, and 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 play an active role. You see that in the shipping industry uh, every single day. At the same time, you see that suddenly most shipping segments are actually making some money. Even the dry bulk market, Herman, is making decent money for once. So with this green shift, creating opportunities uh, and shipping actually performing relatively well, even share prices are going up. Uh, I think there is some new positivism out in the market. Um, and In a way, I feel we are potentially moving a bit way out of this negative spiral that we have been been in for the past three to five years. Uh, so, Christine, uh, on that note, uh, what do you think? Will banks open their checkbook and, and, and be eager to finance new bills now with some green technology attached to it? Or do we see another boom coming? Pre, pre, 90% pre-delivery financing? Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: not, not the
4: not the problem. Uh, no, I think uh, I think that's uh, more of a challenge, but I think the, the whole point now that you see the strengths of the the how the Norwegian industry takes the, the green, takes the wind sector. Uh, I listened to another seminar this morning, um, and Equinor said that what two-thirds or three-fourths, I think th- three, two-thirds of their suppliers from wind projects, we're now coming from Norway. So, the, And if you look at the cluster page for the wind industry in Norway, you see, I mean, the whole maritime industry is there. So it's really managed to, to, to raise the bars quite quickly. I think the only the Danes that are ahead of Norway when it comes to taking the wind sector by, by storm. It's always challenging to do financing early phase of new industries because there's a higher risk and that's also maybe why it suits Norwegians. It's higher risk. It's new technologies, early phase, uh, small volumes. That's always been where we have um, been strong when or developed like uh, like the chemicals, like the LMG, like the crews, like uh, all specialists, or uh, um, shuttle tankers, all these specialist areas. We have been early in due to those platforms we have. So I think financing, it, you, you, you will need more developed market. You will need more of a contract base. Um these specialized chips have, as we know, and the development has happened so fast, is more challenging to find us on a standalone basis unless you are building it all into a company which has a certain cash flow. So it's it's all about cash flow. So I think uh, this is more for for uh, either for equity base or for direct lending. Um, but you will find capital. It's just that you have to structure it differently than, all, all based um, bank lending. So, uh, and I think all banks, but all banks also want to go into more into the green. So I'm certain the capital is coming in. It's more a matter of um, how to structure it in a way that you, you get an acceptable risk.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess this green shift will also have implications on the, also on commodities, commodity shipping. Uh, I, I mean, you will see new engine technology uh, uh uh on your dry bulk vessels uh herman i mean not a lot has happened there has been some development on on dry bulk uh uh the last uh 25 years but not a lot uh has it but but will we get like a a a a, a, a huge step now uh in in technology and, and development uh on, on vessel technology you believe
3: Indeed, I mean, well, I mean, one point is obviously that all the, the all the uncertainty related to the fuel fuel of the future is refraining owners from ordering right now, at least in my in my space, because there are a lot of uncertainty. Uh, I mean, this is not limited to Norway, but I think that uh, what is happening on the particularly on the, on the carbon front is will be the biggest shift we will have, uh, which is not, as I said, not limited to Norway. Uh, and and we should not do that as a threat, but as an opportunity. And the big, serious player, uh, should applaud it, uh, what is happening, because uh, and, and you, you will have massive changes. And then coming back to Norway, there are a lot of things happening here, more on the short sea and in the ferry business. and And again... I think we are in a position to, to use our tech, uh, technological know-how to develop things, whether it's battery, uh, ammonia, hydrogen. So there are a lot of things happening, uh, but a lot of uncertainty right now. But there are uh, meetings, uh, upcoming meetings in IMO. It'll be a very, uh, very, very interesting on particularly these carbon uh, indexes, carbon tax. What are we exposed to? We don't really know at the moment, but at the end of the day, I think it could be the cargo owners who will be setting the agenda, not necessarily uh, uh, I, IMO. I think both the EU, you have a new administration in US. There are so many things happening at the same time. We have targets to meet, which for two th- 2030, uh, 2050, then hopefully I will be retired by then. But in 2030, i mean things are happening so fast and, and new rules we have to adapt to and will have an impact on the entire industry already from 2023 and there have meetings uh, intercessionary meetings in imo as we speak and uh, very heated discussions on on where we are going and and uh, and i i i think in a way imo could be in, in the back seat because you have politicians out there who are much more uh, higher ambitions, then uh, so this is going to be the, the biggest kind of re- revolution. And then, hopefully, and I, I believe so, given uh, the way we are uh, put together in Norway, I think we could be on the forefront uh, on that as well. And there are a lot of things, interesting initiatives happening right now.
4: Well, if I can give a com- to comment to that, Harald. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you said, yes, it's uh, shorter, but I think to be on I think the, the, the capital, in all the broad sense, really have a driving, uh, also the sentiment for the for the industry. Not just the banks; it's it's also the all the investors and the private equity. They they have a much higher profile uh, and stand on the issue, which is also pushing uh, the industry faster than uh, we thought would happen.
1: Yeah. And I guess the whole maritime cluster in Norway uh, are like, uh, I guess we'll see this green shift as, as, as a new opportunity and, and are fighting for business. I guess, Peter, if you're a good broker today, uh, you are running around with new concepts and, and, and technology, trying to get close to the people developing that t- technology and trying to convince some ship owners to, to, to order a few new bills here and there. I guess the whole broking industry will spend a lot of time uh, uh, to, to be on top uh, of, of what's happening here uh, uh, with all the techno- new technology and opportunities in the green shift. How do you see that Peter?
2: Uh, I, I agree with you completely. Um, and and uh, I can just you know, speak for ourselves that we've, we've been um, in a position to uh, ordering, you know, a, a lot of, uh, for instance, dual LNG ships dual fuel ships uh, for key clients and a close cooperation with dnv uh, looking at the various uh, alternatives with methanol and uh, ammonia fitted and so forth um so so I, th- I think that if you're going to be a cutting-edge broker today you really need to be in the forefront of we'll call it the carbon capture the green shift and be able to speak intelligently both with your clients and with the um, financial investors on, on this uh, subject. Um, and I think also like Herman was alluding to that, this is obviously uh, a factor that has uh, decreased uh, the new billing orders, except for in container. So it has given us a better supply picture. So, but it's it's a very, very interesting time and there is lots of opportunities for sure.
1: Well, that's good. Uh, I see we are running out of time here. I guess we could have uh, continued this, uh discussion uh uh, for another another hour or two Uh, so i think just to sum up uh, i guess our conclusion is that we believe there are some good years ahead for shipping in norway and that this green shift is really an important factor uh, 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 to like re-energize the norwegian maritime cluster Uh, and and hopefully we will see norway uh, even getting stronger and and, uh, building a stronger position than they have today. Obviously, it helps that uh, uh, ship owners are making money today. Banks see that their credits look pretty good. Um, And even the equity investors uh, uh, are getting a dividend here and there. So so it all looks better. And uh, the good thing in shipping, most people have a very short memory. So I guess uh, the only way is... uh, straight
0: up <laughs> from here. <laughs> well, let me conclude by, by saying that this was an amazing uh, discussion. Thank you so much. I mean, you bring so much depth and insight uh, and uniqueness. So thank you very, very much for sharing all that with us. Um, I wish you a, a wonderful evening. And I look forward to, to the next time. Thank you so much.